Last Thursday, on February 24th, Russia launched a large-scale military invasion of Ukraine. Now, for about a week, the attention of the world has been focused on Ukraine. The images that are reaching us are shocking and the consequences of this war are undoubtedly severe. Today, we will discuss in how far the developments are already affecting the global energy market. This is Bergos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and here with me to talk about the recent developments today and shed some light on the effects on the global energy economy is Maximilian Mann. Welcome, Max. Hi, Aurelia. Yeah, well, I remember sitting here almost two years ago and being confronted with a different crisis. Back then, COVID-19 hit and the situation for the oil sector was unclear. There was a demand shock leading to a negative oil price for a moment. Yeah. And the outlook for big oil looked very grim. Uh, the energy sector had to cut dividends and increase the leverage. And yeah, sitting here now almost two years later, the situation is very different. But again, we are faced with a crisis. But this time it's about supply and not about demand. So Max, um, please just go a bit further into detail there. What is the impact on the energy sector thus far? So the energy sector is highly affected by the current situation. Even before the invasion of the Ukraine, the global energy market was already very tight and stockpiles were already at a very low level. Now, following the invasion of the Ukraine, oil has surged above $110 per barrel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as a response, the US and other members of the IEA, the International um, Energy Agency, released 60 million um, barrels of their reserves. And the OPEC uh, increased their output um, to 400,000 barrels per day. But the big question remains what is going to happen uh, with Russian energy flows. Mm -hmm. Russia is the second largest member of the OPEC plus alliance. And there are growing signs of uh, reluctance among traders and ship owners to trade with Russian oil. Mm. On Tuesday, the trading giant Trafigura, for example, tried to sell Russian oil at a record discount, but they weren't able to find any buyer. Yeah. So far, sanctions um, excluded uh, energy, um, or sanctions on Russia excluded energy, but nevertheless, the White House said it is open for oil and gas sanctions on Russia. And also we see a shift in uh, the private sector. For Russia, the exports of energy is a very important revenue source. So Russia is exporting crude oil worth around 110 billion US dollar. And therefore, sanctions will uh, hit Russia quite hard and will have a big impact. So, as I said, there is also a shift in the thinking in the private sector. So, for example, BP announced to exit their almost 20% stake in Rosneft, and they're risking a $25 billion hit on their balance sheet. Shell ended its partnership with Gazprom, and Equinor is withdrawing from all its joint ventures in Russia. So, this is quite a, yeah surprising reaction or unexpected uh, reaction, but reflects also the uncertainty in doing business with Russia in the future. Mm -hmm. And also other companies like, for example, Total, which also has 20% stake in Novatech, Russia's largest independent energy producer, uh, is stopping to deploy capital to new projects there. But we are closely monitoring what is going to happen there in the future, like what, how the companies are going to react and if there are any uh, sanctions or further sanctions uh, mm -hmm. coming to the energy sector. Yeah, but despite the write-downs or the potential write-downs on Russian assets, um, all majors 
are now uh, poised to benefit from the very high energy prices. So we believe that companies with a strong trading uh, network, marketing network, are able to benefit from this increased uh, volatility and from this increased price levels and are able also to supply with the world uh, to, to supply the world with, with enough energy but are also going to um, highly benefit from the situation. And therefore we are like here seeing a, let's say, mixed picture. But when we shift our attention also to the renewable sector, which has been, let's say, a growing business line for um, especially European big oil, we see, let's say, some structural um, shifts. So there um, might be higher investments in the renewables in the upcoming years to reduce the dependency on uh, Russian gas. But yeah, I will talk about that later a bit more. Max, thank you. We also talked about utilities. Um, what is the situation here, considering the rising tensions in Russia? Yes, yeah, so Europe is highly dependent on Russian gas. So the country is delivering around a third of uh, the European um, gas supply. And now with the end of North Stream 2, and the growing tensions between the West and Russia, the very big question is what is what will happen in the case of a stop of uh, Russian gas flowing through the pipelines to Europe. A mm -hmm. uh, response for sure will be the um, import from other sources, like for example Norway or the US, which is also exporting LNG. But this will probably not be enough in a short time to, to fill the demand or to replace the gas from Russia. So therefore, we believe that coal and nuclear power will uh, be needed. And therefore, maybe um, the use of coal-fired power plants and also nuclear power plants is getting prolonged. In the long term, renewables will be a structural winner, as I already mentioned. So the shift towards renewables is likely to get accelerated now by the politics in order to gain independence from foreign energy supplies. But this will for sure take some time. But the quick question remains, what will happen in the short time? And yeah, how can we like install enough capacity in the long term to become more independent? So therefore, the extension of coal-fired power plants um, is very likely. This will for sure counteract the European emission targets uh, in the in the short term, but still there's a big challenge uh, ahead in the in the short term to um, become more independent and to um, yeah keep the keep the economy running with enough energy supplies. Max, um, thank you for that. Another topic that we've discussed also in this format are carbon prices. That has been a rising topic amongst investors. I am sure this is affected as well. How is that? developing. Yeah, so the European carbon trading scheme is the largest in the world and is a kind of role model for other carbon trading schemes, for example, the one in China. It is also a major pillar um, to achieve the Europeans' um, ambitious emission targets. But in recent days, we have seen a major drop in carbon emission prices. So we believe that this is largely due to financial investors escaping risky asset classes. In the last yeah, one and a half or two years, carbon has increasingly become a new kind of asset class and attracted more and more investors. And we believe that for, on the one hand, yeah, financial investors maybe looked for safe haven assets. And on the other hand, there might have been some hedge funds having margin calls from other bets on, for example, natural gas or oil. Mm. Then they had to cover margin calls. So the... Um, 
drop we have seen, we believe, is um, not necessarily um, justified because we see, let's say, some uh, yeah structural. Um, we see carbon in a structurally interesting situation here because with the shift from um, gas to coal, also the uh, CO2 emissions will probably increase and therefore we believe that this is going to put even more pressure on the overall system and on the pricing. Also, it's a system which is uh, having a very good reputation also among the economy and is also getting um, increased in the next uh, couple of years. So also shipping as a sector is getting included under the, the ETS trading scheme. And also like um, it's a yeah, very important piece of the uh, Fit for 55 package. Uh, so, yeah, we believe that it's very unlikely that we will see a major change in the carbon emission scheme or even a suspension of the scheme because this would really counteract the yeah, Europeans' ambitions to reduce uh, carbon emissions in the next decades and years. And on the other hand, it's also leading to um, yeah, revenue because with the auction of uh, carbon emissions, countries are earning money and this money can be used for example to um, yeah reduce um, energy bills for low-income citizens for example that's something we we could see in the in the next years because what is clear is that energy prices will probably remain on a high level now and for the medium term with the current uncertainty so we are closely monitoring uh, the developments here but we don't see any major changes now for the ETS trading schemes in the, in the short term. Thank you, Max. The situation is remaining in flux, of course. There's lots of changes that we're anticipating and it's going to be very relevant and um, also very interesting to see how all of this develops. So we will keep you, dear listeners, of course, updated. Thank you, Max, for today. That was very insightful. Thank you, Aurelia. We hope that you will have a beautiful weekend ahead of you despite the grim news that is that are reaching us. Um, we're wishing you a successful and pleasant week. We will be back with more from Bergos now next week on Friday. Until then, bye-bye.